Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Special Summer Series The Story of Drihid, Part 5. The story of Drihid is one with many twists and turns. However, by 2015, it seemed like it was going nowhere. The teaching council were doing their best to force schools to join their pilot, which almost nobody wanted to do, and the INTO were doing their best to do the same, though to this day, nobody knows why the leadership changed their minds on Drihid, especially after their outrage when it was first mooted. Already three years overdue, less than 5% of schools across the country had signed up. Something had to be done, and many teachers on the ground had the answers. The thing is, would the Teaching Council listen? Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps, whatever they are, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and all the rest of them. And please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education uh, to look it up. And perhaps if you enjoy this episode or any of the others, please leave a review. The Teaching Council used to engage with teachers on social media. Um, They were eager to consult with their own members and find out how on earth they were going to convince every school to take on the Drihid programme. The main problem they had is that their only defence of Drihid was that it was fundamentally different to its first iteration, which of course it wasn't. As the IPPN said in their report, they needed to ensure buy-in from their teachers and that was something they hadn't done and they also didn't seem that interested in doing. Behind the scenes, the Department of Education were probably getting impatient because the Teaching Council had been charged to roll out Drihid in 2012 and there was almost no movement except for the hardcore religious wing of the INTO. And when I say religious, I don't mean religious as in Catholic or any other religion. I mean the ones that religiously do as they're told by the hierarchy. And the INTO at the time, fresh from their victory at convincing its own members to throw their younger colleagues younger colleagues under the bus with the various pay deals, they were cementing themselves as a top-down theocracy and trying to convince everyone that they are still a genuine democracy. They even started aping the language of the Catholic Church. You are the union, you'd hear people saying if anybody gave out about the ridiculous support of Drihid, despite 91% of their members being steadfast against it. It rang all of the bells of you are the church, which people say when others give out about Catholic practices, such as, you know, not allowing women priests or being against same-sex marriage, when it was never, ever, neither of these are ever, ever going to happen, even if 100% of Catholics declared their support of either. Uh, that these things, <laughs> I mean, these are things, to think that the church were going to change any of these things is just naivety. And as an aside, This is probably why I couldn't be part of a religious group, apart from my lack of belief in a higher source or whatever. However, the INTO definitely moved to that very playbook because those who went along with what the leadership had to say went on to nice positions. Do you see that? 
Now, if you think about how a church works, um, or a synagogue or whatever, I mean, I, I can only speak for churches and, and synagogues because the, the two I'm familiar with. Basically, if you're a good person, if you're, when I say good, if you're a well-behaved member of the congregation, you might get, you know, voted onto a committee of some sort and if you're on a committee you might even get a little you know job to do or something like that and if you're good at that job you might even get to represent your branch or your committee and if you're good at that you know you might go up and one day you might get to wear a little gold chain you know i'm just saying anyway <laughs> that's if you're very very good now if you're a woman in the catholic church obviously don't worry none of that applies but anyway that, that that's that's not for this episode because do you know the thing about it is um i think that's the playbook the INTO moved on because if you went along with what the leadership had to say you got you got promoted essentially and we saw that in the teaching council elections that the people that they put forward were people that were May, didn't really stand for what they said they stood for in the beginning in the beginning and they moved to what the INTO leadership wanted them to say uh, I'm not going to name any names but they know who they are um, and with both the teaching council and the INTO firmly behind Druhid there was very little ordinary members could really do but that didn't stop us because technically the INTO is a democracy of sorts it's it's I mean it is extremely difficult for change to happen um, and we'll see this very soon but you can <laughs> just maybe uh, make change within the union because at its core despite all the layers and barriers in the way it is a democracy of sorts anyway in the meantime members try to plea that was the first thing they did was to plea with the powers that be to try out alternatives to Drihid. and given it was supposed to be a pilot it made sense to try out different forms of probations for nqts because it was a pilot that's what they were saying this is a pilot and if you're having a pilot surely it makes sense to have a few different ideas the the idea of and i think maybe the department of education are guilty of this as well when they introduce pilots of things they only do one thing and then they declare it a success, but they don't have an alternative. So they've nothing to bounce it off, really. Of course, it's going to be a success. Um, do you know, it's, 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 it just makes... Anyway, this, this is the Department of Education's language seeping into the system. It's kind of like that word consultation I, I, I spoke about earlier on in the, um, in the episode. But the first, um, the first group that actually came up with an alternative... Uh, Tudorhead was again the Voice for Teachers Facebook page. It came again in the form of a blog post in May 2014, quite early really, and it's well worth reading the end of it. Um, well, it's well worth reading, like, well, it's actually well worth reading all of it, but I'll start somewhere in the middle with a very valid question they asked. Um, so here it goes. Voice for Teachers does not understand why NQTs are even required to be probated. NQTs are fully qualified when they graduate. Probation is served after, uh, sorry, probation is served for a period after getting a job. NQTs are expected to serve probation for a job they do not have. It just makes no sense. Why couldn't the teaching council come up with an innovative, innovative new ideas to support NQTs as they ease into the profession? Now, I think that's that's very that's very fair. Why ape? the inspectorate model which didn't work by just simply transferring what the inspectors were doing onto principals and well it was principals they had to do the final sign off 
you know, I'll carry on. What is actually innovative about mentoring NQTs in our school, for example? This is one part of what they would say is innovative. We have been successfully mentoring informally for years. Judging and signing off is not innovative. It is giving us the inspector's job to do on top of our own job. Why couldn't the teaching council support and help NQTs by, and here comes the suggestions, scrapping probation as an outdated, unnecessary hurdle? I agree demanding the colleges of education stand over teaching qualifications awarded and and endorse their graduates as fit to teach aka probated i agree including a probationary period during the new four-year b-ed program absolutely agree again and actually i didn't realize this uh, because i didn't see it until um until more recently uh this actually was uh, the basis of my alternative, which I'll come to in a little bit. Anyway, I'll carry on. Such moves would help to enhance the post-qualification experience. Instead, Drihid is an easy fix. Get the teachers to do the work. Teachers have enough to do. Look, it's a simple alternative. Why bother with the probation year at all? <laughs> you know, this is the thing. Why do we need it? If you finished college, you're obviously good, you know, you're obviously good enough. You know, if a third level institution who is training you to be a teacher thinks you're good enough to qualify, why do you need this year uh, to be signed off on? And, and the thing about this solution is that, and to be fair, it's it's very valid. When one adds a year to the training, one might expect that that extra year in college would be enough to fill whatever gaps there would have been by scrapping that dip year as it was known. And the weird thing about this extra year is that the colleges didn't really know what to do with it at the time. When this fourth year came into being, you had people coming on teaching practice and they were like, I don't really know. Our college doesn't really know what to do with this. Um, And they started like doing these like two weeks helping out kind of in the school on a project and you have to make up a project kind of thing. Um, And, you know, it's a bit, it was a bit strange. Yes, the students had to do double the amount of teaching practice for whatever good that would do. But after that, what then? The colleges started introducing random things into their 10-week program. And just as an aside, the Teaching Council also ram-raided this into schools, forcing teachers to give up their classrooms for almost a third of the year without thinking of any consequences of that. And because of this, most colleges made the, had to make a compromise of splitting the 10 weeks into two by five weeks in different classes because most teachers are like, I can't give up my, my class for 10 weeks. Sure, with to some, you know, and, and like it's okay if the student's oh good but what if the students are rubbish anyway it effectively made the whole thing meaningless for teaching practice and it made the whole thing of uh, it just made the whole thing even more meaningless because you had two sets of meaningless teaching practices what is the point of taking over someone else's classroom for a few weeks really you don't get to do your own planning you don't get to do your own classroom management you know you don't get to do a lot of stuff and in reality one of the elephants in the room is that the fourth year of college was not fulfilling its potential it was a, it was a i don't know what the purpose of adding the extra year was really in reality because to me it made sense personally that the year would be a good would be the bridge that year it would be a very good bridge year and that's how i came up with my proposal the alternative to drihid that almost made it over the dinner table into the hands of the powers that be Let me tell you about my idea and then I'll tell you what happened to it. It was one of the very few times that something I did nearly made a systematic change to the education landscape and only one person stopped it from happening. Before I tell you my idea, I think it's important to take a short pause to tell you where the lay of the land was around the middle of 2015. And the short answer is it was going nowhere. 
I wrote in a blog post in September 2015 that while I was very happy with the idea of Drahid, the problem was trust and accountability. Trust that the program would be supported properly and the problem and, and that the problem of schools being accountable for probating NQTs. And my final line in the post was, I am generally in favour of the Drahid program, but I feel we are a long, long way off introducing it into our system. I would conclude that I believe the pilot must keep flying for several more years before it lands. Ultimately, as much as I was mixing my metaphors, as far as I and most others were concerned, Drihid was a bridge too far. I decided the only thing I could do was to come up with an alternative, and here it is. Um, I guess, in a completely left-field idea, I decided to use the analogy of Drihid as a bridge, hey? That's pretty smart of me. I drew a picture of a bridge with a, you know, a capstone bridge. So, um, you know, what, how that works. All the blocks turning into, a, into kind of an arch and the middle one is kind of like the capstone of the bridge. And on one side I had college and on the other side I had school. And obviously the idea of this drihid, this bridge, was to cross the bridge from college to school. And my issue was while there were many good aspects of the bridge, the capstone, that is the main foundation of the bridge, with the one that's in the middle, basically the biggest one, was deeply flawed. And ultimately, the whole thing would fall apart. And without any form of probation, the teaching council and I agreed that the bridge between college and school is flawed. That's fair enough. And at that time, the teaching council agreed that probation was important. I also agree with that. There has to be some form of test to say or some form of something to say that you are ready to get into a classroom full time. There is no link though between completing teacher training and becoming a fully probated teacher. Effectively one was sent out to the solitary confines of a classroom and twice a year an inspector came into the room for half a day to judge whether the teacher was satisfactory or not with little to no background knowledge of the journey the teacher had made. And this is where the NIPT mentor came in so I was pretty happy you know, that the NIPT mentor was there. I didn't like the inspectorate model whatsoever, but I liked the NIPT mentor. But effectively, they were also working in a system where all of those variables could go hopelessly wrong on the days of those visits. Because bringing an NIPT mentor in, what's the difference between that really and an inspector? You don't, they don't know the person that well. Sometimes it could go worse um, if uh, when the NIPT person come in, if something happens, I don't know. Anyway, um, that's not important. Even the least effective teacher has a party piece up their sleeve for any surprise visit of an inspector. The role of a mentoring team was definitely the way to go. Now, I argued that any stable bridge needs a very good capstone as it holds the whole bridge together. And I argued that the capstone should be in the middle of the bridge as this is the strongest position, basically between college and school. And using that as the analogy, it would require both the college and the school to provide the other stepping stones on either side to keep the bridge up. My problem was that the Drihid, the Drihid proposal, which was being piloted, did not resemble that analogy in any way. It appeared that the colleges simply extended teaching practice to 10 weeks rather than five and little else. Schools, on the other hand, had to take on the rest of the work. The Bridges capstone, in my opinion, seemed to be very skewed to the school side of the bridge. And as any budding bridge builder will know, the bridge would have had very little hope of staying up. So in order to get some sort of equilibrium, my proposal was to think about how teacher training colleges or initial teacher training as it's known, would provide more of a role in the probation of their trainees 
and we would need to think about ways to incentivize schools to take part. And my solution married a major issue in, the primary, in primary schools with an incentive scheme to counteract it. So my solution also involved changing the final year of teacher training too. And for me, the best thing about my solution that it was an incredibly simple one and it could be summed up in one line. And here's the line. The final year of teacher training should be spent fully in a primary school. Now here's how I proposed it would work. A school is trained up in mentoring and is accredited to the teaching council as a university school. Oh, or God help me saying this. Oh, I'm cringing. I said university school because I really didn't want to say a dread school. Ah, God. Anyway, so basically a school is trained up in mentoring and accredited by the teaching council and it could have a new name and I'm not saying it again. The school takes on, (laughs) this school basically takes on a final year trainee to be a full-time teacher in the school and this trainee is fully responsible for this class, including all of the long-term planning, all of the short-term planning. And he or she must set up their classroom, establish the rules and do everything that a fully qualified teacher would do. I mean, some people might have said to me, whoa, 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 that's not fair. Like, what, 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 what gives? You know, and I, I'm using the, I mean, just to give an, I don't know if it's a good analogy, but like, if you're, if you're basically learning how to drive, it's not like, you know, you're, you're allowed to like not use the brakes or not use the accelerator or something like that. The idea is that you, you basically do your job, do your driving with a mentor beside you, your, your driving instructor beside you, and you do all the things and they're there to help you. This is, this was my idea. Now, the teacher that would be displaced by this trainee, so, you, you know, the trainee comes into a classroom, so there's a teacher that's displaced, they become a fo- their mentor, a mentor. And this mentor will be responsible for working with this trainee for his or her final year. And their training would have enabled them to appraise and monitor their trainee teacher. So there would be a form of appraisal here or evaluation and monitoring and oversight. And they'd be available to model lessons, help with planning and generally any other day-to-day things that would be required. So for example, at least once or twice a week, they may model some lessons in each subject. That would be very fair. Or they might help with displays, they might help with classroom management. But effectively, it's the teach, the trainee who's doing the driving, doing the teaching okay and there's more to it than that though because the mentor will be also part of a team consisting of a link lecturer from the teacher training college who will be available for advice and would also form part of the monitoring and evaluation team and this link lecturer would go on would have to have visits a minimum of twice a year with the final visit assigning off and probation of the trainee as a fully probated teacher So in order to ensure quality control occurs, the teaching council would have a panel that would randomly select schools to meet with the trainee, mentor and link lecturer to make sure everything was kosher because you don't want Auntie Mary's niece, um, you know, in doing their doing their final year in in a school where Auntie Mary is saying, now you better let that let that my little niece pass the pass or you don't want the GAA all star from up the road uh, coming in and so on. Anyway, you know, you know where I'm going with this. The advantage of a system like this is that the trainee would get a full classroom experience while still in college with the support of his or her lecturers and tutors and he or she would also have the support of a trained and experienced mentor. And for the mentor, he or she would also have a full year to work with and develop the trainee. Now the obvious question to ask was whether a trainee needs that much support and the answer is maybe but probably no. However, this becomes the incentive for schools to take part particularly teaching principals who in effect 
were most likely to be the ones asked to do the probationary process. It gave teaching principals the opportunity to get the admin days they so desperately require to do their jobs. So effectively, if you take on a trainee for the times they're not for the times you're not required in the classroom, they're free for any administrative duties. It makes so much sense. For a college, it gives them more, a more genuine scenario to assess their trainees. The current model where teaching practice change from five weeks to 10 weeks makes very little difference to the actual artificial nature of teaching practice. In this model, the classroom is not the trainees, the planning is not the trainees, and the pupils know that the trainee isn't their teacher. With my proposed model, the trainee is the teacher from the get-go and every responsibility that comes with that. And for me, this moves my capstone on my bridge firmly into the middle. It gives colleges a more genuine experience for their trainees. It provides an incentive for schools to take on these trainees, and it gives a much more balanced probation for everyone. And after the probation year, the school is under no obligation to employ the trainee, but the trainee is fully probated and ready for any school to take him or her on. And that was it. It was simple, but to me, it was a no-brainer. And the lovely thing for me was that people seemed to agree. And it wasn't just people on Twitter or it wasn't people on social media. I don't know why I'm laughing because people on Twitter are actually quite, you know, can, can, uh, are, are obviously, as, as, as I, I believe, are obviously as genuine and as useful as, as people who sit at those chicken dinner tables. But it was the people who sat at the chicken dinner table who also agreed with me. In these enlightened days where ghosting, stonewalling, cancelling and generally ignoring anyone who goes against the grain are all the rage, it's very, very rare for me to have any agency, stakeholder or partner take any notice of anything I'm involved in, as you might have heard in my admittedly childish thank you racist one year on episode a few weeks ago. However, Back in 2015, there was still a little bit of healthy tension between the stakeholders and the IPPN were quite eager to take on this idea, my idea, for their proposal paper on Drihid. For one of the first times in my life, the big shots in the IPPN were genuinely interested in what I had to say. Although to be fair to them, there have been a couple of other occasions since and one of them was recently enough where they have opened the doors to allow me to speak about racism. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, back to Drihid. I think they themselves were against Drihid, which helped. And I guess my idea was one of the only ones out there that was both simple and required very little resourcing. The only problem was there was a deadline. The other problem was they had already written their draft proposal and had already sent it out to their national committee. Undeterred, I was asked to write down my plan and propose it to be added to the national executive meeting and I had it ready for the day. In fairness, it was a fairly simple proposal. The board were just about to propose my solution to the membership as an addition um, uh, to the position paper when someone who will remain nameless forever stopped it. She said, you're only, getting her, you're only getting the gender, she said that although she fully agreed with my proposal, on a point of order, it couldn't be allowed. And that was it. The position paper was published without my idea, which effectively said very little. And for the record, it said that schools that wish to do Drihid should be supported and those that should, should don't should also be supported without really explaining why. That was the position paper by 2019 I think or 2018 sorry that's the thing that got what got ahead 
without my proposal. So effectively, they said nothing. And essentially, that was that. My idea never went anywhere. And with all the partners consulted, the sides of the bridge were drawing down and Drihid was coming in its original form, whether anyone liked it or not. However, there was to be one last sting in the tail. Enter the teaching council elections. And for the first time in living memory, so great was the opposition to Drihid and other directions the union was going, there was going to be a presidential election. So there we have it, uh, another cliffhanger to leave you on. Uh, and uh, next time we'll be talking about the INTO presidential election and also the teaching council elections, which happened in the middle of this Druid fiasco. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, I look forward to chatting to you for part six of this Druid episode. Thanks so much for listening. All the very best. Goodbye.